Give me the bloody mic. Hello, Sadie here. My brother's a rubbish storyteller. Sorry about that, but now you've got me, so all is well. Hey. Hi, and hello. hello. Welcome to Into the Riordan Verse, a Rick Riordan read-along podcast that focuses on the Rick Riordan books that are not about everybody's favorite golden child, Percy, Percy Jackson. Jackson. This includes Percy Jackson and the Olympians, Heroes of Olympus, and the Trials of Apollo. Today we continue our look into the Red Pyramid with chapters three and four. Imprisoned with my cat and kidnapped by a not-so-stranger. Hi, Hal. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm tired. Even though I don't do anything all day, it's great. You did just tell me before we started recording that you went to sleep at 9 a.m. and you are now awake at 7.30 p.m. Listen, I'm going to need you not to call me out. If I didn't call you out, why? What, what would be the purpose of us being friends if I didn't call you out? I mean, you're right, but my feelings, like... You don't have feelings. You're right, I'm a robot. Domo arigato, Mr. Robato. Mm. All right, so like we just said, welcome to Into the Riordan Verse. It's a Rick Riordan read-along podcast. We're still reading The Red Pyramid. It's it's only been two weeks. We're not magically done with this book. Or are we? Dun, dun, dun. Hal, I don't know about you, but I have some corrections to make about things that I said that were wrong. And I'm going to remain quiet, even though I totally got these things wrong, too. Yeah, you, you didn't. You, you got them wrong, too. But also... I have some corrections to make because I got a lot of things wrong in the last episode. My brilliant sister, who is A, she studied English in college, and B, she's a a real lover of ancient Egyptian, like, lore and history, uh, yelled at me, not literally, but yelled at me for being an idiot and saying a lot of these things wrong. So first of all, it's pronounced Amos, not Amos. Second of all, it's pronounced the River Thames not Thames, whatever I said. Mr. British man here didn't correct me. I didn't remember. Cairo is indeed the capital of Egypt, and it is in Egypt, hence why it's the capital. I was right about that. Yeah, you were right about that. And I was like, is it? Is it not? And it's, the Rosetta Stone has three languages, ancient Egyptian, Greek, and not German like I thought, but Demotech, or I don't know how to pronounce it. My sister's going to yell at me again. I, th- I think it's Demotech or Sanskrit. So we got all that out of the way. I'm pretty sure this episode is going to have a lot of stupid things that I say that my sister's going to yell at me about next time. And I may have more corrections. We're just going to feature her on the next episode so that she can, she can say all the things herself. I mean, she would love that. I'm not going to lie. All right, Hal, well, we are a read-along podcast, so how about we read along? Oh, one more thing that I forgot. My brilliant sister, she actually recommended something. Uh, Hal, you remember the last episode I proposed we have a bet to see who scores more points for, like, the chapter thing we're doing? Mm-hmm. But last episode, we didn't have any idea of a reward or a prize to the winner. My beautiful, brilliant sister came up with a pretty amazing prize, actually. That would be... Uh, you and I, at the end of reading this first book, will go take a trip to the... Me- trip? We'll go take a trip to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Sounds legit. That is... I haven't been to a museum in forever. Here's... Here's where the winning and losing situation goes. The winner gets bought a pretzel by the loser. Sounds fair. Sounds fair. Sounds fair. Do you agree to these terms? The pretzel will turn into a hot dog when I win. I mean, all right, let's let's change it to buy one food, one singular food. Okay. That's legit. Handshake over the void because we are social distancing like good, you know, citizens of the world. A copy. Let's do this. 
Let's do this. So we, we're starting off our episode today with chapter three, Imprisoned with My Cat. Hal, what did you rate this chapter? Uh, another seven. I gave it a six. Damn! I'm so much better at this than you. I didn't think it was a strong chapter title. Like, it's not Rick Riordan's best. Um, it's it's not. I expe- When you go into this chapter, you ex- immediately expect more with the cat, and the cat's like kind of like a side a side point in the chapter this chapter is very much like a uh this is very much a setup for like okay let's explore sadie's personality and not so much the cat i mean this is great so i think i might have pointed this out in the last episode but this book is divided every two chapters between sadie and carter's perspectives the last two chapters were carter's these two chapters are sadie and can i say like i was praising her last last week sadie is so much more of an interesting character than carter is so much she really is like as soon as you start reading the chapter you immediately get a really good sense of her she's very much she's very much english like so very english she's so dry and sarcastic it's it's so hilarious i love it give me the bloody mic is the first sentence of the entire thing and the entire chapter and i just i love sadie so much she calls her brother a rubbish storyteller it's like talking to my mom i love it (laughs) which is funny because when you talk to like any of our any of our friends in our friend group you don't act british at all correction actually correction actually no you don't really act british i'm pretty sure when like one of us hugs you you're just like get off uh no get what's that british term like hands off me or whatever unhand me unhand me you say that a lot i really do god i'm turning into my mother oh god i mean there's nothing wrong with that you're right the chapter opens up with sadie reflecting over what has happened the explosion the rosetta stone in a billion pieces fiery evil bloke dad boxed in a coffin creepy frenchman and arab girl with a knife us passing out right uh, and it's just it's, it's every sentence of these two chapters i love very much so most a lot of this chapter is basically the police doing a wonderful, excellent, amazing job at trying to figure out what happened at the museum. And by that we mean <laughs> I mean with the current uh atmosphere around police, this this these two chapters could not have come at a better time. You know, you you know, I wanted to say like it's so ironic that we're doing this right now because especially we'll get to it in a little bit Mm -hmm. but like sadie does experience some very light prejudice i'll say yeah a a, a tiny bit of like police brutality a little bit yeah um so as we continue on sadie's just recounting all the events and she is still a little freaked out from the other day when she was able to translate the blue glowing words that her dad had drawn on the rosetta stone i love how she says i mean a family disease perhaps which in my notes i I wrote a quick little uh aha because i'm pretty sure julius kane has a lot to do with ancient egyptian magic and being able to translate hieroglyphics and uh aha it's a family disease it's it's uh, can knowledge of boring egyptian stuff be hereditary ha 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 it's rick riordan's way of saying yep you're a special egypt kid it's like yep you exist in the same universe as percy jackson i'm sorry yeah you do (laughs) you're a main character i'm sorry (laughs) oh no she's been hit with main character itis yep it truly be like that sometimes so she's taken directly from the explosion she's locked in the curator's office with 
uh bike chains no less their bike chains and she's just trying to like figure out like okay where do we where do we go from here what happened to my father and after that a policewoman goes in the curator's office retrieves her and they put her in her police car and send her home she isn't allowed to explain anything to her grandparents they just put her in her room and tell her to wait and in classic sadie sadie fashion she does not like to wait and it immediately attempts to get out of the room i mean that's that's adhd if i've ever seen it it's just the impulse to be like oh you're not even not even she's just a teenager that was told to stay in her room of course she doesn't (laughs) want to stay in her room she's a sassy british teenager who was told to stay in her room you can bet she's not staying in her room like truly but unfortunately there's a policewoman standing guard outside so she can't really get anywhere right now yeah she they wouldn't even let her use the loo by the way quick side note i underscored and highlighted every british phrase and word in these two chapters oh we have to add that to the side counter oh (laughs) (laughs) time sadie was british just every single word she says in these two chapters truly so she opens the door and she's telling the policewoman hey i need to go to the bathroom or the loo and the policewoman's like yeah i don't care get back in your room the inspector will talk to you very soon and sadie's concerned and confused she's like what do you think i'm gonna rig an explosion in the toilet like i said he's so sarcastic and dry i love it and then we have another instance of remembering these books were written 10 years ago when sadie digs out her ipod and scrolls through her playlist oh god ipod yeah no one specifically says ipod nowadays like your music's on your phone or like on your computer or something but no one specifically says oh yeah let me pull out my ipod yeah apple's apple's not a as big a fad anymore no it's just yeah unless you unless you want to it's like what like a thousand or two thousand dollars for like an iphone these days it's like my mom when she wanted to upgrade her phone she went all out she's like i want the bestest most expensive steady-art iphone that's out right now so i don't need to buy a new phone for a while and i'm like okay do whatever you want it's your money and her iphone 11 pro x max gigabytes everything was like twelve hundred dollars oh god and they're just gonna replace it in like another year or so yeah it's gonna slow down and be crap in like in a couple years and she's gonna be like why is my phone so slow i'm like mom that's how they make business truly truly side note this episode was sponsored by apple (laughs) can you imagine (laughs) i actually i actually just got the email that this this podcast was approved by apple Podcasts, so it should be on apple podcasts (laughs) please don't take us away we're (laughs) one step closer Uh, I, I was going to say Steve Jobs, but he's dead. Who's the CEO of Apple? Um, Oh, God, it's another correction we're going to have to make because I super do not remember his name right <laughs> I now. I don't want to make another correction. I don't want my sister to listen to this and be like, how do you not remember the name of... I'm, I'm thinking of the name Eisner, and I'm like, no, that's wrong. He's the CEO of Disney. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Who cares? So as she's... It's Tim Cook. So she takes out her... Tim Cook. Tim that's Cook. his name. Yeah. He was... Really? He was like Steve Jobs, like second second in command i see well we learn something new every day i suppose yeah so after she digs out her ipod she throws it on her bed in disgust because she's too distracted for music which is such a mood truly i I have definitely had moments where i'm anxious or or like depressed or mad and i'm like man you know i can't listen to music i can't listen to anything right now or sometimes you get too depressed and you listen to super depressing music. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to go throw myself off a bridge now. Crawling in my crawl. It's just like, don't do that to you. 
It's like you will just throw yourself. You would truly just throw yourself off a bridge. And as she's laying in her bed, all frustrated, she starts fiddling with the necklace her dad given her. It looks like an angel, which I actually asked you about last episode because Carter's protection necklace. I think it's an onk. No, what is it? No, it's the Eye of Horus. The Eye of Horus. There we go. I asked you what it was last episode, and you didn't tell me either because you knew and you didn't want to spoil it, or you just flat out forgot. I remember. I I don't think I remembered last episode, but I knew like it wasn't like the same thing as Carter's for actual reasons. There is an actual reason why they don't have the same one, and that is super a spoiler. Oh, okay then. And then uh, what I really like is that she's like, uh, my dad had asked me if I still had it. Of course I still had it. It's the only gift he'd ever given me. Well, apart from Muffin, and with that cat's attitude, I'm not sure I would call her a proper gift. The sass, I love it. The cat has more sass than her, and that's saying a lot. Jeez. The cat is in true fashion a cat. (laughs) And so she's talking about the necklace, how she pretty much feels like her dad abandoned her at the age of six. The necklace was her her one link to him. On good days, she would look at it and remember him fondly. And on bad days, which apparently were more frequent, she would fling it across the room and stomp in it and curse him for not being around, which she found therapeutic. Uh, Classic, classic divorcee, divorced parents drama. Well, not really divorced parents, more, more like one parent is dead. Well, not, they're not divorced, but this is the kind of thing that happens with families that are divorced where they're not divorced because the mom's dead. I'm trying to make it lighter by not bringing up death so much. She comments on how the necklace got hotter during all the weirdness of the museum, which is also something that Carter had commented on when the fiery man tried to bad touch him. These things are totally not related. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make things right, Dad had said with that guilty look he often gives me. Well, colossal fail, Dad. I love Sadie so much. I wrote in my notes, you tell him, Sadie. (laughs) Yeah, but you get a a really good idea that Julius in his mysterious ways was a very bad father and it may have not been it doesn't seem like it's intentional because carter seems to think of him in a good light at least prior to museums exploding carter spent most of the time with him so i mean of course you're gonna develop a more positive understanding of the person you spend 99 percent of your life with but i think i think it's I, th- I just think it's interesting that you get the exact opposite of you not so much because yeah carter spent more time with him but it seems like julius didn't really reach out to sadie as much like like she said she only ever really got two things from him pretty much since her mother died and he left Mm -hmm. and it's like why didn't he reach out to her more and not really sure if there was a reason for that or not she comments on you said something really smart and i just go into she comments on (laughs) she comments on the fiery man trying to touch carter and being like soon boy being afraid that they're trying that he's like trying to track them down if his main character powers were protecting him i'm just whenever i hear anything about main character protection i just think of like Yu-Gi-Oh and how yugi never loses a duel no he he lost a couple of duels. he lost a he's lost a couple but like the the majority of his duels are like okay Yugi you have one card left in your deck no life points all your cards are on fire you are half stabbed how will you win the duel and Yugi draws the last card he's like it's my I win card plays it I win <laughs> and then Kai was like well I'm gonna throw myself off the side of this castle it'd be like that sometimes 
Kaiba was such a... As the president of Kaiba Corp, I declare this move invalid. We're, we're not gonna... I was gonna go into a long talk about how does Kaiba have the power to stop a dual move from happening when he didn't invent the card game, but I don't want to go into the hierarchy of Yu-Gi-Oh. It, would, it wouldn't be that much of a sidetrack considering, you know, you know, Millennium Puzzles, Ancient Egyptian... I have um, good good friends of the podcast. You, by the way, need to listen to the other Percy Jackson podcast at some point. I, I, I will. I'll, you need to send me links. Send me links to the good ones. They're all good, he says, uh, because they listen to this. Mm-hmm. They're 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 all good, different but good. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that couldn't have sounded more suspect if you tried. They're all good. I really like listening to all of them. I make memes for all of them. So I mean, I, I a I have to listen to all of them, and b I really enjoy all of them. Okay. So I was saying, four six hundred is a podcast that reads through the Percy Jackson books. They're almost done with the original series, and I made a joke to one of the hosts, Natalie, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna spoil the Kane Chronicles for you. And she's like, no, don't do it. And I'm like, well, the plot of the book is that uh these kids play a card game to put away the spirits of ancient Egyptian evil. And she's like, wait, really? I'm like, no, that's Yukio. <laughs> and she's like, I, I I was a little bit excited for this, and then you you took it away from me. And I'm like, go watch Yukio then. So now she is freaking out and she and her eyes wander across the room and she they fix on her desk and she's like no don't do it don't do it and she goes open over and opens her drawer i love what's inside her drawer a few old magazines which i mean 2010 2010 (laughs) my stash of sweets a stack of maths homework i'd forgotten to hand in and a few pictures of me and my mates liz and emma trying on ridiculous hats and i don't want to try pronouncing that word i don't want to get yelled at again camden markin Uh, camden markin camden market yeah i believe that's camden listen you think british english is weird for all i know that that word is pronounced like frog frog, <laughs> frog market. market yes we're gonna refer to it as frog market the Frog from now market. I, I i'm gonna get yelled at by my sister let's do it boys <laughs> and there at the bottom of it all was a picture of mum mum i i highlighted she says mum quite a lot i highlighted each and every mum uh, it's it's super english thing my mom hates that i call her ma and not mum she's tried pretty much my entire life to get me to call her mum and i just will not do it <laughs> you need to go full power move and just call her i don't know by, by like her first name oh no that's how i get dead <laughs> that's how i get dead <laughs> No, but at first it was like unconscious. I would just call her like Ma or Mom. And then I just, I just, I started doing Ma on purpose because I know she she thinks it makes her sound like super old. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna keep doing it. (laughs) Now I just do it to piss her off and I love it. It truly be like that. So she's talking about this picture of her mom, which isn't the, or should I say mom or mom? You're going to forget. So say mom. So just say mom. Okay. I hate that you know me so well. So you're, you're just, you're going to forget. Just call her Sadie and Carter's mom. So she's looking at this picture of her mom and it's not the only picture that they have in that household. Her grandma and grandpa have a lot of pictures. They keep a shrine to Ruby, which I guess is the mom's name. Yeah, that is their mother's name. In the hall cupboard, childhood artwork, her O level results. I'm like, 
this is so british it's so well yeah they're they're in london she's pretty much she pretty much spent her her entire life in london it's like she's yes this is like commonplace to her her graduation picture from university her favorite jewelry it's mental but the one picture that sadie has of her and her mom was just after sadie was born her and her mom at a house in los angeles where they were standing out on a balcony looking at the pacific ocean and (laughs) i love how she describes baby her holding a wrinkled pudgy lump of baby that would someday grow up to be yours truly and i'm like yeah that's what babies look like pretty much yeah wrinkled pudgy lumps and then they grow up to be people like bigger pudgy lumps her eyes and then she starts describing her mom so rose carter no not rose carter rose kane is her last name kane i it's probably her married last name it's definitely not her i'm a, i'm a, i'm assuming her last name was pro- her maiden name is probably Faust. I forgot completely the name of the grandparents, even though we had a whole joke about it last episode. Yeah, it's Ruby Faust or Ruby Fawcett. <laughs> so. Ruby Fawcett. I'm, I'm guessing that's her maiden name, but. Probably. Based on what we, like the very few details we know about her relationship with Julius, I would assume she had his last name. Yeah. So we have Ruby. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's Kane for right now until I get further evidence. Ruby Kane, she's described very briefly. Her eyes are deep blue. Her blonde hair was clipped back. Her skin was perfect. And people are always comparing Sadie to her mother, even though she doesn't particularly see it. She thinks that her mother looked beautiful and she doesn't look quite attractive or anything. Yeah, basically her mother is straight out of 90210. That is a call... Could you pick an earlier, older show to talk about? Well, the most recent version of that show was like what the. Um, it's still on the air. They they've they've remade it a couple times, and I'm pretty sure they're about to do another remake of the show. Oh my! L- listen, I-, I can't complain. Degrassi had like 50 billion reboots. Oh, Degrassi is still on the still on the air. I know for a fact Degrassi what? is still on the air. Degrassi will <laughs> what? never. What? Degrassi will never end. <laughs> This is a complete shock to me. Wow, okay. Degrassi will never go off the air. What's what's that other show? Is Glee still a thing? No, Glee ended a couple of years ago. Sidebar, they are dragging Glee and Michelle for filth on the internet and I just live for it. So the only reason that Sadie still has this picture, there's two reasons. One, because she hardly remembers her mother and their lives together. But the main reason was because the mom's t-shirt has a symbol. One of those life symbols, an ankh. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Yeah, that is that is correct. And she points out the irony that her, her now dead mother is wearing a symbol for life on her shirt. Nothing could have been sadder. Truly. But you notice you notice in all these interactions that Sadie and Carter are describing of their parents. It's like their parents were happy. I mean, from what we're, yeah, from like the little information we're getting, I can definitely see that Rose, right? Right, Rose? Ruby. Ruby. That Ruby and Julius. Ruby and Julius. That sounds like such a hipster couple name. I'm just saying right now. Well, yeah, yeah. And then if they both had the last name Kane, Ruby and Julius Kane. I mean, pretentious AF. The only thing would have made it worse if they were vegan. (laughs) So something that Sadie points out is that she remembers the trench coat man talking with her dad about something called the per-onk. Onk is a symbol of life, but what does per mean? Or I guess it's pronounced pear. I literally wrote down the word pronunciation guide right next to this. <laughs> so, and I kept saying per. It's pronounced pear, apparently. So, pear onk. Actually, that sounds better in the mouth. 
It does. It flows much better. She puts down the picture of her mom. She picks up one of the homework papers and a pencil, and she starts to draw the words Peronk. The bedroom door soon afterwards opens, and the police inspector is like, hey, uh, what, what are you doing? And Sadie is like, masked. And immediately, I would have been like, red flag, illegal. Uh, you're make, you're, you've you're committed a crime. Come with me. Serve your sentence. It's like, you just attempted to escape your room, and now you're doing homework? Yeah. I totally believe that. I love this. It's revealed a little later that this is Scotland Yard, which is like, isn't Scotland Yard? They're not like creme de la creme. They're, that's just what they call the police force, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. I, I was thinking like, oh, that's creme de la creme. Like, no, that's just pretty much like the regular police force in London. This interaction with with the police just makes me like super uncomfortable for a couple reasons. It really does. I mean, especially with the current atmosphere of what's going on in the world with like black lives matter it's truly this was this is where the interaction they go from they jump around a lot which is classic police tactics where they go from why are you lying to me to your father's a terrorist and i'm like oh oh that's that's totally something you want to tell uh what she what, what is she like 12 12 She's like 13, She's I think, 12, 13. 12, 13. I'm like, yeah, that's totally how you get information out of a child. Tell the parent that they may have had a struggling relationship, but they still love. Yeah, he's a terrorist, so you should tell me everything you know. I'm like, yeah, a, a, a preteen is totally going to tell you everything you want to know after you call one of their parents a terrorist. And call them a liar on top of everything else. It's like, you're, that's... He he also pulls the old oh your buddy ratted you out you might as well come clean I'm, and she immediately calls BS on that she's like Carter wouldn't say anything bad about our dad and it's like first of all Carter is a goody two shoes so he's not lying first off so there's no there's no way he told you anything but what he saw happened and second of all he spent his entire life with his father he's not gonna paint his father as a criminal after all of that so let's go a little bit more into depth he asks her to tell her everything that happened from the time her father had come around to come get her so she tells him the story and she and she is not believed he says that she's got quite an imagination and sadie in turn it delivers some good sass she's like i'm not lying inspector i think your eyebrow is trying to escape <laughs> i can see i can see like a animation of his eyebrow like above his head just like n- not even on his face anymore just up- dangling above his face there's a surprising amount of cartoons that do that and i just think it's hilarious every time it happens especially when it's like clipping with their actual hair and as you said they slowly but surely gather to the point that the police is trying to paint julius as a terrorist of some kind in which sadie this is a correction my sister gave me when i kept saying archaeologist in the last episode but here's the confirmation that he is an egyptologist Mm, pretty much yeah i guess archaeologists are more like prehistoric history and stuff like that and an egyptologist will probably be more focused in egyptian history and such an egyptologist well egyptology is a study of ancient egyptian history language literature religion architecture and art from the fifth millennium bc until the end of its native religious practice in the fourth century a.d wow oh yeah it's gone through several different iterations it's been conquered by several invading forces like England. <laughs> God save our gracious queen. I'm pretty sure Rome was in there at some point. I'm pretty sure the Greeks actually also were in there at some point. Yeah, hence the Rosetta Stone existing with Greek, ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, and oh crap, what's the language? What's the third language? I just Demotic. said it. Demotic. Demotic, there we go. Or Sanskrit. 
I believe I believe it's Sanskrit. I believe that's another way to say it. I'm just gonna keep saying demotic. So Sadie is getting mad at the officer for trying to say this. And again, she's like, the inspector says Sadie to try and calm her, and she starts getting angry. And so he's trying the police tactics of trying to play into her kind of not good mental state right now, where she's like, listen, maybe he just had a bad time, and maybe he was approached by some bad people. If you have any names and she refuses to believe that her dad died and oh my god this is this this part is so true where she's like why do adults have to be so thick they always say tell the truth and when you do they don't believe you what's the point i felt that truly 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 i felt that oh. So she goes to her window to sort of avoid looking at the inspector, and out there, she spots the pudgy bloke in the black trench coat, round glasses, and fedora. The man Dad had called Amos. And then she- There we go. (laughs) Shut your mouth. (laughs) And so she goes on about how she feels threatened by this odd man staring at her, and then all of a sudden, she's like, wait, he looks so familiar. It's driving me mad that I can't remember him. And I wrote in my notes, she knows him, question mark? It's- this is discussed a little more, but I was genuinely surprised for a, a split second that, like, she had some sort of faded memory, potentially, of this man. Yeah. And the inspector is, again, just doing police thing. Sadie, no one blames you for the attack on the museum. We understand you were dragged into this against your will. And Sadie blows up, and she, she, she says some things you probably shouldn't say to the inspector when he's trying to investigate an explosion. She's like, I locked the curator in his office! It's like, yeah, you're 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 incriminating yourself and your father. You maybe maybe you should stop talking. <laughs> and then the inspector like tries to like bait out more information by like involving her brother. He's like, yeah, maybe maybe your possibly your brother was involved. And she like scoffs the idea that Carter would ever do anything like criminal to a point that he questioned the authenticity of their siblingship. And this is this is where this was the point that I was kind of sort of bringing up earlier where she starts experiencing some like bias because she later goes into it annoys her so much more whenever like people assume that they're not related and stuff just because obviously Carter described them earlier and one looks like the father and one looks like the mother and unfortunately they don't have the same skin stone and it's sad that people just on face value make such wild assumptions yeah I mean it's uh, you, you said it you say, I, there's nothing really I can add. It's, like, it's just sad that they, especially as children, they have to deal with something like that. But unfortunately, that's the world we live in. That's unfortunately the world we live in currently, and this was the world they lived in back in 2010. It truly. History repeats itself. It's like it has not changed one bit. But anyway, after after that whole, whole mess of an interaction, Sadie eventually gives up Amos' name to the inspector and he immediately hey we just spoke to Amos and he's in New York and she's like there's no way he's in New York he's right outside right now and then she looks outside and of course Amos is gone and she's like well don't be suspicious well that don't happened <laughs> and so Sadie is like but he was here who is he one of dad's colleagues how did you know to call him and the inspector tells Sadie to stop acting and Sadie's like ah! and then like i said earlier he pulls i i don't know if i want to say this i might say it and then bleep it he pulls one of the oldest cop tricks in the books where he says carter's already told us the truth uh he told us everything 
Hanosen has no point in protecting his father. You might as well help us and there will be no charges against you. I wrote, yeah, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to bleep it. I wrote, the police next to this line <laughs> oh my lord but this is even in like cop shows they do this and it's like wow wow this is such complex tech technique that even tv shows are mimicking it yeah tv movie i mean it, it happens people like the cops will interrogate people and be like oh your buddy already ratted us out you should come clean now to scare people into just saying whatever they can but like sadie immediately calls him on his bs and is like yeah you you shouldn't lie to me i know for a fact that carter would never say anything against their father and neither will she and then he's like well you, we could have done this the easy way or the hard way. The easy way was confessing to me that you were involved in a terrorist act with your brother, uh, with your brother and your father. The hard way is going down to discuss the con- the consequences with your grandparents, and that's where the chapter ends. Ooh, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get grounded. Ooh, we'll later learn that the con- the consequences are a bit more severe than that, just just a tiny bit. But but it's like it sounded so like so cliche oh we're gonna go talk to your grandparents and i'm like yeah my father just kind of accidentally blew up a museum or that's kind of the last thing i'm thinking don't you just hate it when you accidentally blow up a museum <laughs> truly all right we're up to chapter four kidnapped by a not so stranger i gave it a five out of ten you keep losing these interactions i just i gave it another seven i didn't like this one i was kind of like back and forth with this chapter because again i love sadie's interactions with her grandparents and the police but again this is very much like a setup chapter so i kind of cut it a bit of slack so the chapter opens up with a family meeting at the table sadie is commenting how she likes the christmas garlands around the fireplace a nice pot of tea and detectives from scotland yard ready to arrest you i thought that was funny ah the english and their tea i love it I mean, tea's delicious. I love tea. Truly same. Same here. She comments on how Carter's looking awful on the couch, all sad and depressed, but he's clutching the dad's work bag, which she's like, shouldn't the police have confiscated that as evidence? They seem to not be acknowledging his presence there. Now that I know that Julius has something to do with ancient Egyptian magic in some way, definitely that just screams to me some kind of cloaking spell. Like, the police just can't see it. No one else can really see it. Back in the last two chapters, Carter does note that whenever they went into like certain places, people almost ignored the bag whenever he had it. When they went into the museum, the curator and the guards weren't even acknowledging that the that he had the bag in the first place. Carter was like, why would they let him inside with the bag? So last two chapters, we got the Sadie description. This week, we're getting, or these chapters, we're getting the Carter description. I love this little description for a lot of reasons. Sadie says that he... Looks like a boy who has never been to proper school. He dresses like a junior professor with his khaki trousers and a button-down shirt and loafers. He's not bad-looking, I suppose. He's reasonably tall and fit, and his hair isn't hopeless. He's got dad's eyes, and my mates Liz and Emma have even told me from his picture that he's hot, which I must take with a grain of salt because A, he's my brother, and B, my mates are a bit crazed. This kind of actually reminds me of when people were, outside people were describing Percy. Because, like, whenever Percy describes himself, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of average. And then other people are like, no, you're you're hot, friend. <laughs> not, not only that, like, Percy would describe himself as, like, an ordinary guy or whatever. Hazel and the Son of Neptune describes Percy as a god-looking person. Not just for physical attractiveness, but also because of the power he, or, like, his aura that he radiated. A lot of these characters 
in the books just sort of they describe themselves normally but then when you hear about other characters describing them usually it's you know a good very uplifting positive description from either a partner or a sibling or uh, a friend and i I really liked how rick writes his characters being like oh yeah this is my good friend percy jackson he's hot (laughs) it's like look at him look at him (laughs) look look with your special eyes you know what I love about we're, we're gonna we're gonna get back to this book in a second. We're talking a lot about Percy Jackson for a book that for a podcast that doesn't feature. We we sh- we sure did open with this about not talking about everybody's favorite golden child, and it sure did it sure did pivot back to I Percy. Mean, <laughs> listen, Percy Jackson. The reason this entire the reason these books exist is because Percy Jackson did as well as it did, and Rick Riordan likes writing these kinds of books. All right, so let's get back into this book series. You know, the one that doesn't feature Percy Jackson. (laughs) As per the whole point of this podcast, her grandma and grandpa sat on either side of her. Of course, in true British fashion, there is a pot of tea and a plate of biscuits sat on the table. But also in true British fashion, no one's having any. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. Those things will sit and sit and sit and get hard and you can throw them like a rock. The inspector is pacing around, stops in front of the fireplace, and says all dramatically, Mr. and Mrs. Fawcett, I'm afraid we have two uncooperative children. <laughs> we get I'm sorry. I just I just love that that's catching up. <laughs> We have to. You have to make it a thing we now. Totally do. Her grandma is fidgeting with the trim of her dress. It's hard to believe she's related to Mum. Sadie says. Gran is frail and colorless, like a stick person, really. While Mum in the photos always looks so happy and full of life. I mean, she's your grandma. She's old. And then the grandfather is like, "This is ridiculous. They they aren't responsible. They're kids." Your grandfather is described as a former rugby player. He has beefy arms, a belly much too big for his shirt, and eyes sunk deep in his face, as if someone had punched him. And I love this. Well, actually, Dad had punched them years ago, but that's another story! Ah! I want to know the story now! I don't want to be teased about it! Truly. This is another thing where I don't ever think that they go into it. But, like, this, like, just, like, adding little little pits of, like, their backstory just makes them a lot more interesting. And I love when, when Rick does stuff like this. It's just, like, random details that are just, like, these are... These are just hilarious. And so the inspector is like, well, I mean, we have to blame someone. Imagine the morning headlines. British Museum attacked. Rosetta Stone destroyed. Your son-in-law, former son-in-law, her grandpa corrects, was most likely vaporizing the explosion or he ran off. And I'm like, wait, do the police have a tiny bit of suspicion that he somehow survived an explosion and ran off? I mean, it's not impossible. The kids survived the explosion. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, the father, the father, the father was closer to the epicenter, but... Does it stand to reason? He was technically the ground zero of the explosion. Well, no, the stone was, because the stone exploded. He was standing next to the... He's right in front of the stone! Yeah, but the kids weren't that far off from the stone either. They survived, so... And so, Sadie's like, he's not dead. We are telling you the truth. Dad isn't dead. He just sank through the floor, and Inspector Williams is looking at the grandpa like, can you believe this? And then he turns to Carter, and he's like, young man, your father has committed a criminal act. He's left you behind to deal with the consequences. And Sadie is like, no, that's not true. Her grandma is, oh, I love this. Her grandma's trying to be like, dear, please cooperate. The inspector's only doing his job. And Sadie says, badly. And in true English fashion, they're like, okay, let's just have some tea, guys. 
And the kids are like, yo, I'm tired of tea. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tired, tired of tea. tea. I, I just love it. And then her grandparents immediately disown her for not liking tea. Truly. But then the the police event uh, immediately shift into, okay, so now we're going to charge you for criminal acts. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> Everybody in the room is like, wait, wait, what? And then the police froze. He blinked several times as he forgot what he was doing. And the grandpa's like, uh, inspector? And then this threw me for a what? The chief inspector hands an American passport to Carter and says, you're being deported. You have to leave the country within 24 hours. And I'm like, they can do that? I'm pretty sure they... <laughs> Technically, like they can, but it takes... it. It's not happening like... A day or so after an explo- after an event like that. This takes so much legal red tape. They would have to go through American legal systems, which, as we know personally, are a mess constantly. So there's no way they're just saying off the cuff, oh yeah, you're getting deported, you have to leave within the next 24 hours. That's not happening immediately. And everyone in the entire room's confused. They're like, what? We were about to arrest us. Now you're just deporting him? And the other police people are like, sir, are you sure? Quiet, Lindley, the two of you may go. And he does that little like hush, uh, hush away movement with his hand where he just like, it looks like he's waving. I hate the wording of how the inspector says this. Your father is either dead or a fugitive son. Deportation is the kindest option. Ugh. Truly. And the grandparents are like, who authorized this? Who did you talk to? And then the guy is like, um, they're proper authorities. Yes, this doesn't sound suspicious at all. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. This entire book is just taking me somewhere. I don't know where, but it's taking me. And then, the, and then he turns to Sadie and is like, you're getting deported too, sis. And she's like, wait, what? She's like, I live here. What do you mean I'm getting deported? And she's like, you're an American citizen. And under the circumstances, it's best for you to return home. Quick sidebar. I asked my sister what the legality of this is because my, my sister studied immigration law. Uh, she went to law school and all that stuff. She's not entirely familiar with English law, like British law, but she... Her best guess is that technically they can do this, but that the grandparents who have legal custody, who have the legal custody of Sadie can like file some kind of appeal and be like, no, we are her legal guardians here in England. She has to live with us. But we later find out that even if they did that, that wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Like this, this is just like formalities after like five minutes, but this is very much, it's all very sketchy. Yeah, so the inspector is telling is telling the grandparents, you, I'll give you some time to say goodbye. And during all of this, he keeps frowning and like blinking and making movements where he's like, wait, what I'm doing is wrong. This is weird. Why am I doing it? And he's like, I'm going to be going now. And he leaves. And guess who's at the door? The man in the black coat. Amos. Um, and the police inspector, you would think he would say something. He just walks past almost without even giving him a second thought. It's like, hey, you're our main sus- you're you're related to our main suspect. We're just gonna we're just gonna go by you. You're the guy that are that are one of our suspects just fingered as related to our our main suspect. Like, hey, we're just gonna walk past you. Goodbye. And so Grandpa, in true Grandpa form, is like, I should have known. If I was younger, I would beat you to a pulp. And Almas is like, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Fawcett, because, you know, he doesn't care. <laughs> it's time we had a talk. Almas makes himself right at home. He actually eats a biscuit and drinks some tea. And I'm like, that biscuit must be uncomfortably hard. Sadie even comments that Grand's biscuits are horrid. And I'm like, I mean... And so... Gramps looks like he's about to beat up Amos when Amos says sit down and as the strangest thing happens everyone sort of just 
obeys. They all sit down. Even Grandpa, who's about to beat up Amos, just sits down calmly. Amos, then he's like, terrible timing, but there's no other way. They'll have to come with me. And Sadie's like, what? I don't know you. I'm not going anywhere with some strange man with biscuit on his face. <laughs> and I love I love they stop to say like, oh, he sure did have bus- biscuit on his face. And he's like, well, he, he didn't care. And I'm like, like, bro. <laughs> I like I love Rick. I love Rick's writing so much. This almost character tells Sadie, "I'm no stranger. Don't you remember me?" And Sadie says, "It was creepy hearing him talk to me in such a familiar way. I felt like like I should know him." But like Carter's looking at him, and she she looks like Carter, and Carter's like, "Yeah, I've got nothing here." And then Grandma's like, "Almost, you can't take them. We had an agreement." And then Almost says this creepy thing where he's like, "Julius broke that agreement tonight. You know you can't care for Sadie anymore. Not after what's happened. Their only chance is to come with me." Carter's like, "Hey, I'm not going anywhere with you. You almost got into a fight with her dad." And Almost almost like ignores him and is like oh you have the work bag that's nice almost is like good that you have his bag we're gonna need it and everyone's just quiet until gramps is like you and your superstitions i want nothing of it and almost is like superstition <laughs> you say that and yet you found a place to live on the east bank of the river and the grandfather is like hey that was ruby's idea she thought it would protect us but obviously that's not working it's like she trusted you and julius for one and almost is like yeah, that's that's nice, bro. <laughs> cool story, bro. And Sadie points out that he smells like old-timey spices, copal, and amber, like the incense shop in Covent Garden. I actually know how to pronounce that mm. word. Covent Garden. That's a much simpler word to, to pronounce. I mean, I could have gone full American, and I could have said that that word is covent, and had my sister yell at me. Oh, no, that's just incorrect. That's not even American. That's just incorrect. Yeah, like I said, American. You're right, but spicy. Spicy, but you right. <laughs> Almost finishes his tea and he's like, Mrs. Fawcett, you know what's begun. The police are the least of your worries. And then Grant is like, you you changed that inspector's mind. You made him deport Sadie. And she, he was like, yeah, it's it was that or see the kids arrested. And then they start actually questioning, okay, how did you change the inspector's mind when you didn't even come into the house until after he left? And this is where you get more of a sense of like, some sort of like compulsion or like magic is involved some so at in some form here almost is like it's not permanent i'm not going to take them or it's not permanent the way i changed his mind but i need to get them back to new york within the next hour before inspector williams begins to wonder why he let you go carter laughs he's like you can't get to new york from london in an hour not even the fastest plane and almost is like nope not a plane mr and mrs fawcett carter and sadie have only one safe option they're coming with me to the mansion in brooklyn here they are going to a mansion in brooklyn and i'm like ah brooklyn new york percy jackson yes that thing we can't talk about <laughs> yeah truly <laughs> truly <laughs> as soon as it came up i'm like "Ooh, are we gonna see percy in this series yeah. spoiler kind of sort of I... but not yeah, in the book so series this is the not only the thing i did series. kind of accidentally spoil myself at the end of my copy of the book there's a short story that's like this is carter and percy having an adventure but we'll read that when the time comes yeah it's not it's not important to what's going on in this book series but they do in fact meet each other Carter is like, yeah, you've you've got a mansion in Brooklyn. And I like to think that he's more questioning the fact that there's space in Brooklyn for a mansion and not the fact that there is, in fact, a, that they have a mansion. I mean, I've been to Brooklyn. It's it's big, but it's not big enough for one person to own a giant house. I live there. It's not so much that there's not only that there's not enough space for it, but like the city would just never allow that. The city won't allow a Walmart. I don't think they're going to allow a mansion. <laughs> The city would just be like, yeah, no. 
but yeah, he's like, yeah, we have a we have a family mansion, and you'll be safe there. And they're like, but but dad dad just got dad is like gone, and he's like, yeah, we can't help him right now. I'm sorry, but for right now, it's more it's more important that you're safe right now, and we've got to go like now. And so Sadie's like, well, Carter can do what he wants, but I live here. I'm not going off with some stranger. She looked at her grandparents, who neither of them would meet her eyes, and then they turn to Amos, and she, and they're like, wait, but you can get him out of the country. Amos says that the police will be back soon to tell him anything you'd like. They won't find us. And Carter and Sadie are like, y- you're just gonna kidnap us? We're gonna let this happen? And then Carter's like, how do you even propose we get to New York in an hour? You said we're not taking a plane. And then he starts he starts tracing tracing a pattern into conversation and the hieroglyphic, and Sadie with her mysterious her mysterious family disease, tr- immediately translates it to a boat. Yeah, almost as curious. He's like, "How did you know?" And she's like, "I it looks like a boat. Don't be suspicious." <laughs> I don't have superpowers. I I can't translate ancient Egyptian. And then Carter's like, look, look over there. They see a boat. It's not a regular boat. It's an ancient Egyptian reed boat with two torches burning in the front and a big rudder in the back. A figure in a black trench coat hat, wait, in a black trench coat and hat, possibly Amos, stood at the tiller. I'm like, wait, what? Did he teleport? What? Is there more than one of him? Because I said Amos. Amos is still there in front of them. The way it's written, it sounds like they, he said that, or she said that, almost is standing outside, but the way it's written, it's actually like, oh, this is the hat and coat that he was wearing before, just on somebody else now. Because if you notice when almost first appears at the door, um, Sadie notes that he is no longer wearing the hat or the coat. Mm, okay. And Carter's like, so we're going to Brooklyn in a boat, in a small boat and he's like yeah we we better get going and stuff and so sadie's like i'm not just going up with a stranger who are you and almost smiles at her and she's like and he's like i'm not a stranger i'm family and suddenly all these memories start rushing back to sadie especially a distant happy birthday sadie memory and she says hazily uncle almost that's right sadie i'm julius's brother now come along we have a long way to go bro dun 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 that's what I love about Rick Riordan. I, I, I would complain a little bit that we're only reading two chapters a week, but Rick fits so much into two chapters. It, it feels like I'm reading half the novel. <laughs> Truly. But yeah, that's the that's the main cliffhanger, the main sticking point of this chapter. It's like, yep, Amos is not a stranger. All those weird instances where Sadie and Carter are like, you're you're kind of familiar, but at the same time, you're a stranger. It's like, nope, he's not a stranger. They have indeed met before. This is this is Julius's brother. So I have a quick point that I want to make. How I suppose that um, you're familiar with stranger danger, right? Of course. This is not Stranger Danger. They know him. However, can I uh, introduce you to another genre of uh, of self-protection and all that jazz called Street Smarts from one Detective J.J. Bittenbinder. <laughs> they, currently, Sadie and Carter are being taken to a secondary location. Your chances of surviving a secondary location, slim to none. John Mulaney's a good <laughs> comedian. I love him. Did you not know the bit I was doing? I, I, I did not. I, you had completely lost me there. Have you never watched John Mulaney? Do I have to beat you up? I think you have to beat me up, but you're like a John Mulaney. Or just go on Netflix. Okay, that's your homework for I don't, the next I episode. don't want Netflix. I just find my stuff illegally online like everybody else. Then find John Mulaney's specials illegally online. What? what? <laughs> Why would I seek this out? I don't John Mulaney. 
He's a funny comedian. Just watch one of them. Anyway, that's your homework for next week. Along with reading the, the next two chapters, you have to watch one of John Mulaney's All right, specials. I will read the next two chapters. I cannot promise that I will seek out John Mulaney's specials. <sighs> Fine. And that concludes our reading of these chapters. Hal, what is your overall impression of chapters three and four? Again, it's... It's more setup. I enjoyed these chapters because I enjoy Sadie. Sadie made Sa- Sadie's just like in first person narration just made this a lot more interesting than it should have been. And we get a bit more detail about her family dynamic and including our new family dynamic in in almost. I just again, like like you said, this is all just the introductory fluff. I really like the introductory fl- introductory fluff of a Rick Riordan book. But also, I can't wait until we get into the meat of bones and, like, whatever adventure they're going to get on with their Uncle Amos. I really can't wait. There's definitely much more interesting stuff coming. Like, I don't want to get too... Sp- I hope there's more interesting. There's, there's like, 300 pages left. There's... I don't want to get, like, super spoilery, but, like, a couple of the... If the next 300 pages are just talking about the hour-long boat trip to Brooklyn, I'm gonna get my money back. <laughs> no, 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 no. This book was worth one-fiftieth of a Mareep. Wow. But Mareep is such a such a baby. Have you seen the picture on Twitter or like on the social internet at all? I don't know which specific one you're you're referencing. Do you do, do you know the League of Legends slash Twitch streamer uh, Scooch? No. So his girlfriend. It, it doesn't matter if you know him or not. His girlfriend posted a picture. Oh no, he posted a picture of him and his girlfriend. His girlfriend cuddling a life size Mareep plushie. And the caption is like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Just me and my girlfriend and her $500 Marie plushie. Yeah, I love it. I I, I do remember that. <laughs> this book costs $10, hence why I said it costs one fiftieth of a Marie. Oh, okay. So I, th- that's just going to be how I measure money from now on, how much it is in terms of Marie. Mm-hmm. The PlayStation 5 was just announced and like the price is estimated to be somewhere around a Marie or a Marie and a half. <laughs> a Marie and a half. Or like a Marie and three fifths. <laughs> I truly, truly hate you. <laughs> truly. Listen, I mean, don't hate the player, hate the game. Or hate the game console. Have you seen the design for the PS5? I have, and uh, the, the memes are hilarious they really are it's just it looks like a wi-fi router truly that's it that's that's it and then seeing all these people just like ah but it looks like a tall forehead let's put the tall forehead on like the guy from lazy town my favorite my favorite one is when they compare it to um doofenshmirtz from phineas and ferb that was the best one how do you have any lasting thoughts about these this these chapters before we head off um no i think we got through all of it I genuinely enjoy this. I I like doing this with you. We don't talk a whole lot. Not for... No, completely for a lack of trying. We like each other. We're good friends. We just just don't put effort into communicating. (laughs) With that being said, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you liked it, please leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We are currently available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. If you want to email the show, you can email the show at into the Ryardinverse at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, corrections, heck, 
anything you want to send us. We'd love to read it. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at RyordanversePod. That is I. How do you spell Riordan? That is, I'm literally holding a book that says Rick Riordan. It's in big letters and everything on like every book he's ever written. <laughs> Like, I can't help you there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Follow us at RyardenPod on Twitter.com. Ryarden, R-I-O-R-D-A-N-V-E-R-S-E. Pod. Uh, if you want to follow me personally on Twitter, you can follow me at the damn meme page. Uh, damn spelled D A M. I make memes for all the other Percy Jackson podcasts, and also I just generally vibe in the Percy Jackson community. How you graciously do not have anything to plug? I super do not. If you want to follow me, then you're just kind of out of luck. If you want to follow Hal on the social media that he doesn't use, please follow him everywhere. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Have a nice day, guys. Yeah, have a good one, everyone. Goodbye. Adios.